great to see you here and it's great to hear those reports and testimonies of what the Lord is doing and in the church. There is a lot of different channels where you can really get a chance to minister in this church, whether it's Alpha or Street Pastors or over at the, the Hope Centre and um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities if you do have time in your hands and you want to volunteer in something, you know, feel free to come and speak to us because it is, it's better to give than receive and you will be blessed. Um, sometimes it can be a bit nervy get, getting involved maybe in street pastors and things, but if you get the right training and you're with the right people, you'll be, be amazed the grace and the strength and the courage that God gives you as you go. And so there's a lot of, lot of, lot of things going on, so make sure you find out about that and that little leaflet that you do have on you, just to mention it again, and of what's on this this um, this Christmas, you know, feel free to take an extra one or two and give them to your neighbours and friends if you want to give them them, um, you know, because it is an opportunity to invite people to come and hear the, the great news that we've got um, in Jesus' name. Okay, after Pastor Dave spoke last week, it was an, I hope you know that was an incredible prophetic message. It was, it was so powerful. I felt it was so powerful. It had such an effect on my life. Um, you know, talking about going into the promised land. And you know, <clears throat> there needs to be changes. And most of us don't like change. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit traditional. I don't like change. I like to sit in the same seat, do the same stuff, eat the same meals. I'll, I'll go into a restaurant. I'll ask for the menu. But I know exactly I'm not going to pick anything but the thing I've been eating for the last 25 years. Um, you know, and I look through it and I go, mm, uh, mm, well, mm, you know, and I've been doing that for 10 years and I go, I'll just have that, please. <laughs> um, you know, because change is difficult, but change is necessary. Um, you know, there's some changes, you, you know, you, it just come. Um, like my grey hair. I don't want it, but I need to accept it because it's there. And uh, so there's some things that are just natural in growth. So after Dave spoke about that, it got me thinking all week what I wanted to speak on. And, and entering into the promised land and fighting with giants and everything that he said. Because I was preparing for something else, but I just felt the Holy Spirit just changing it. I want to speak to you about identity. Because there's an identity crisis in our nation. Do you know there is a social media, media that you can join and you can choose from 70, I think it's 65, between 65 and 70 different genders that you can click on who you are. 70. There's a crisis of people not knowing who they are, where they came from, where they're going. So they'll grab onto something. In my day, years ago, you know, there used to be like punks, punk rockers, or teddy boys, or, um, you know, you wear the big crepes, big jacket, listen to Buddy Holly. Um, I'm not that old, I'm just saying it comes around in circles. And, uh, <clears throat> I never had a pair of crepes, so I'm just saying how, so you identify with a group of people, and that's who you're identifying with. So there is an identity crisis, and, you know, I'm not want to condemn anybody who has an identity crisis of any shape or form because it's somebody who doesn't quite know who they are and they're looking and they don't know and they need help and they need encouragement and they need guided by the Bible and the Word of God. So I want to read out two scriptures today as we speak about identity. Uh, First of all, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1. Now you're going to need to be just a little bit patient with me as I read out scripture 
because sometimes we, we, we run through Scripture to get to points, but the Word of God is powerful and active. And, you know, Paul tells Timothy to read it out publicly. So Ephesians 1, starting from chapter... Uh, Ephesians 1, starting from verse 3. Praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made us to, to know us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure, which is purpose in Christ to put to, into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under the head of Christ. In him... <clears throat> We were also chosen, having been predestined according to his plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in, in Christ when you heard the word of truth, <clears throat> the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteed of an inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to, to the praise and to the glory. Now, if you just turn with me now to Numbers chapter 13, or you can just listen to me read it, whatever you prefer. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read from uh, 13, 1 to 33, but in that I'm going to skip a few because there's a list of names that I, I don't feel we've got time to read out. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's my version of it. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, send some men in to explore the land of Cana, which I am giving to the Israelite from each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders. So the Lord... So the Lord commanded Moses, sent them from the, the desert to Paran. All of them were leaders of Israel. These are their names, and you can study them later in your own time. <laughs> and, and then it says, these are the, sorry, and then it says in verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Cana, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the whole country. See what the land is like and whether the, what the people are like who live there. Are they strong or weak, few or many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are the trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first grapes. And then don't you verse 26. So they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community of Kardish in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us 
and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalites, like the Negev, the Hittites, the Jezerites, the Amorites, and that will be right, and all the rest of the rights. And the whole country and the Canaanites lived there near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of this land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack those people. They are too strong for us. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said the land we explored devours the living in it. All the people, all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, they're the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I read all that out to talk about identity and who we are in Christ. God was bringing these people into an amazing place, flown with milk and honey. But there was change had to take place. You see, they were camped. God was sending down manna from heaven. He was feeding them. He was clothing them. It, it was great. And he said, you've been at this mountain long enough. They had seen the Red Sea opening before their very eyes. You think, if I saw the Red Sea opening, I would never grumble again. I'm amazed how difficult it is to stir up people to praise God and worship Him and lift their hands and dance for Him. But I'm also shocked how little it takes to grumble against Him. Even in my own life, how I've maybe threw up a complaint to God about something, forgetting what my eyes have seen. Forgetting the deliverance power that's brought me out of where I used to live. And these people seen the Red Sea opening. They saw their enemies that had bound them and trapped them for 400 years. Drowned before their mighty eyes under a miracle. And the power of God who loved them, died for them. Who was going to send a saviour to die for, for us. A, a, a nation it was going to be an, an example to what Christ has done. They seen that. They had a, a pillar of fire at night to guide them. They had manna from heaven. And here they were on the edge of a promised land. And, you know, I want to tell you, whatever God's got for each and every one of us, if you're truly born again, as soon as you enter into the fullness of this life, into the fullness of Pentecost, into the fullness of the redemption work of Jesus Christ, as soon as you enter into it and start believing it, I'll tell you, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be things that oppose you to what God wants you to be and what you are right now. I want to encourage you this morning that he who started a good work in us is going to finish it. I want to tell you, when we bought our very first house, it was a new house. It wasn't built yet. It was a little house in South Wales. And I remember we went to buy it and they had a big poster up and it showed you what the houses were going to look like. They were absolutely beautiful. They were stunning windows, lovely gardens. They, they, it was all paved. But where I was standing, it was muck and it was dirt and it was horrible 
and it doesn't look like a house and you think, my goodness. And I want to see, sometimes we need to see what God sees. Sometimes, you know what, we don't see what God sees. I want to tell you, God has got a picture of you. He's going to present you before the Father, absolutely spotless, absolutely right. He who started a good work is going to finish it. He chose you. He predestined you. He's not going to give up on you. He's the potter and you're the clay and he knows where he's going with you. Don't just look at the mud at the moment. Don't just look at where you're, you're not. Don't look at, do you know what? I don't think sometimes we give ourselves enough grace grace we give grace to everybody else but do you need to give yourself grace this morning that I am not a finished work yet but I am believing that God has an incredible plan and purpose for my life and he who started it will finish it I'm in the potter's hand this morning can you say amen So when the devil points and says, look at you, you need to point to the picture that God's already painted. And the devil says, who do you think you are? You need to say, how long have you got? Because we could be here for a while. I've been chosen. I've been handpicked. I was, I, he knew me before I was born. He knitted me in my mother's womb. He predestined me. He has a plan and purpose for my life. I am the apple of his eye. He has carved me in the palm of his hand. I am his father and he has adopted me. He has given me his name. He has given me his authority. I know I'm not a finished work yet, but I'm believing God. He who started is going to finish it. I will come into the fullness of God. There is no giant, no enemy, no self, no world, no devil will stop me from the inheritance that Jesus died to give me. Can somebody say amen? amen? To enter all that God has for us, we need to fight. I want to tell you, sometimes you look at people's life and you think, I wish I had that life. I want to tell you, all of us in this room are fighting and dealing with something. Nobody's living a bed of Rosie's life if they're living in the real world. We need to be a people who believe. It's important how you see yourself. Let me tell you something. What you think about yourself and how you see yourself is the most important thing in the world. God told Joshua that no one would be able to stand against him. As we heard last week in Isaiah 54, 17, it says this. No weapon formed against you will prosper. In Luke 4.3, Jesus, at his baptism, the heavens opened up. You imagine, the clouds parted and a voice came from heaven. And this is what it said. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. Straight after that statement, he got led into the wilderness. I want you to listen to what the enemy says in Luke 4.3 as he was tempting Jesus. Listen to these words. If you are the son of God, the audacity, straight after the affirmation, straight after the voice from the father in heaven, telling him who he was, confirming who he was, saying, this is my son whom well pleased. Straight after that, the enemy comes in and says, if you are the son of God, and I want to tell you, the enemy's not got let, let go of this. He can't touch you. He can't defeat you. But if he can get you to doubt who you are in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, unbelief stopped them going into the promised land. But I'll tell you, one of the main reasons a lot of people don't enter into abundant life, they actually don't believe who they are. And they have an identity crisis. 
or a distorted identity. You see, some of you are identified by your past. You have a criminal record and you think, I'm ashamed of this. If anybody knew this, they wouldn't love me. Some have been divorced in here and it's not the unpardonable sin. And you're sitting there and you think, if anybody ever knew that about me, they probably wouldn't like me. And then you'd go on about your life and your backslidden years and you think, if anybody knew I backslid and how much I've not served God and if you knew what I was really like and the devil jumps on that bandwagon and he says, do you know what? You better just standing on the edge of the promised land, now and again dipping into the blessing of God. And God says, no, once a son, you're always a son. You're born again. I have chosen you. Come in to the promised land and take everything I've got for you. Do not let your past determine your future and Jesus Christ this morning. Do not be ashamed of your past because he died for it. He died for it. That's like standing going to get your money out of your cash machine and somebody standing in front of you going, you're not getting it. I tell you, you'd fight then. You'd be like, this is my money. If there was an enemy stopping you, you'd go, no, this is rightfully mine. And God says, this is rightfully yours. You have an inheritance in Christ. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are wanted. You're a child of God. Now stay with me because we're going somewhere. And it says eventually that when they go into this land, he says, the enemy that you're going to fight, I'll make them bread. I'll make them bread for you. I've read that for years and I'm wondering, what does that mean you make my enemies bread? In Numbers 14, you make my enemies bread. It simply means this, without, without opposition. You don't get stronger without opposition. He said, I'm going to make your enemies bread. Whoever comes against you and whatever opposes you, they're going to be strength to you. They're going to be like bread. They're going to make you stronger. They're going to make you fitter. They're going to make you bigger. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Whatever comes against you, I'm going to make them like bread. I'm going to use it for your good. What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're resisting somebody, Matt, give me your hand. Just give me, resist me. Um, this, is, this is a resistance. This is resistance. Come on, Mark, you can do it. Oh, he's struggling. Oh, the two proud men here. We're not giving up. Just stay with us for a minute. But, you know, we're resisting. There's a resistance. You're using muscle. This is not for the faint-hearted. This is a people who have been called and chosen and who know who they are. They're not arrogant. They're full of humility. But they're resisting the devil. They're resisting opposition. It actually makes you stronger. You can actually go from strength to strength or problem to problem. But it depends what spirit you've got in you. Are you going to listen to a bad report? Are you going to silence the voices like Caleb did? Silence the voices of self and the devil in the world and say, no, I don't care about my my past, I don't care about the giants, I don't care who's in the land, he told me to go in and I'm going in because I am a son of the most high God I'm born again by the spirit of God and he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world, hallelujah and praise his name forever who are you? amen hallelujah, I love that so there's a different spirit, there's a different character, there's a different attitude of those who live in this land. They don't just see giants. They see victory. They go from strength to strength. They believe they're more than conquerors. What can stop you going in, doubting who God says you are? I want to tell you personally, if you don't mind me this morning, I know what that's like. 
Most of you know I was on drugs for 10 years. I was seven stone. I was under psychiatric treatment. I never knew my father. My mother was an alcoholic. I could, I could go on and on and on. I had no confidence. I had no education. I didn't know who I was. I'm going to tell you something. Somebody came up to me once and said, what you need to do, AJ, is find your family tree. Follow the family tree and break the generation curse. I thought, follow the family tree? I can't even find my father, never mind the tree. So does that mean that I stay in bondage the rest of my life because you had generation curse? I want to tell you, friends, I found another tree and there was a man on it and his name was Jesus Christ. He was the son of God. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's the tree I went to. And I saw a man there. And I got revelation. This is the son of God. He died for me. He took my place. And a great exchange took place. I mean, he took an ex-drug addict and made him into an evangelist. And made him into a pastor. But what I want to tell you, when I first got saved, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor or an evangelist. You know what my big, you know what my ambition was? If you come from the council estates, you'll know what this means. To get a council house, you need points. It was my prayer that I would have enough points to get a council house and a carpet and a cooker and somewhere to sit. But I want to tell you, he's able to do much more than you can think or imagine. But you're going to need to believe. I want to tell you, insecurity plays havoc with our life if we don't nail it down. And I've been there. You see, he can only change who you are He can't change who you're pretending to be. And I'll tell you, I was so ashamed of my past. I actually said one time, I'm not sharing my testimony anymore. And within three weeks, there was a prophecy. I went went to a pastor's meeting, big pastor's meeting. And right in the middle of it, a woman pointed me out and said, God's not ashamed of your testimony. And there said, you be, speak it out. (laughs) And the reason I didn't want to share it, because I thought people won't accept me. And the reason I wanted to be somebody else because I won't... See, if I'm somebody else, you won't hurt me. And eventually, I didn't like my accent. It took me, it took me years, I would say five years, to really be comfortable in my own skin. And I want to tell you it's okay. God was patient. But I tell you, I don't know how, but I had a fight in me. You see, if my son grew up and was an alcoholic in the street and crushed and broken, and somebody says, is that Jay Farron's son? And he took a swab. The DNA would say, his identity would be, his DNA is telling us that he is the son of Jay Farron. And where you are right now, and the devil's gone, look at you. And the Holy Ghost's gone, let's just take a swab here. Give me a. No, no, definitely a child of God. Definitely adopted. Definitely forgiven. Definitely redeemed. Definitely loved. Definitely chosen. Definitely wanted. He's your father. 
Some is identified by our job. If we lost it tomorrow, your dignity, your identity, maybe some of your friends would drop off because that's what they identify you with. But God doesn't. When you get married, you're not just an extension of your husband. This is like Fiona, this is Mrs. Fallon. This is Fiona Fallon, totally individual, totally separate, totally different, totally amazing, totally wonderful. (laughs) And she's all on her own. And she needs to be able to blossom and bloom and not become an extension of me because I'm not going to be here forever. And neither is she. And him, I live and move and have my being. That is the best place for the church to live because that is where we function in love and grace and mercy. That's where insecurity is drowned and you don't care who goes before you or who's bigger or who's stronger or who's better. You're doing it for the kingdom and for his glory. Forget what the world says. Let me give you a few things as we really... Start to preach this sermon from this foundation. When God's about to do something in our life and give us a new identity, and he's given us, the Bible talks about, he's given us a a new name. But I want to talk about a few people in the Bible whose identity God changed to go with the purpose in their life. The first one is Abraham. Do you know what Abraham means? Father of a multitude, or father of nations, or father of many. There's that many different Greek words. Uh, You know, I was reading through them all. Just thought I'd mention that. But there's that many Greek words. The father of nations, the father of many. And I can imagine, God changes his name. Now watch this. God changes his name to Abraham. From Abram, exalted father, to father of many, or a multitude. And then, and then Abraham going, so all his friends meet him now and they go, what's your name? And then he goes, Abraham. Now in those names, days, names were significant. It wasn't like today. I mean, honestly, Jay. I was like, come on, mom. Doesn't mean anything. Well, it, it does mean something, but I'm not going to share it. But I, I, I know you are going to look that up now. Um, <laughs> But J or whatever, all these modern names, nothing wrong with them, they're nice. But in those days it was significant, Abraham. So everybody knows his name's Abraham now. Can you imagine everybody speaking and judging him right away and going, Abraham, <laughs> this guy's no children. You see, that's his identity. That's what he used to be, he's no children. Not only is he no children, his wife is barren. Are you having a laugh? And the devil goes, Abraham, Abraham, who on earth do you think you are? You're going to need a miracle for that name to get anywhere. You're going to need a miracle for that name to get anywhere. You're going to need the miraculous. You're going to need an amazing God who gave you that name to accomplish what goes with that name? The father of many. Well, I'll let you tell you, friends. I would tell you who his critics were, but nobody remembers their names. They're not laughing now. He is the father of our faith. He is the father of our faith. He is Abraham. 
Peter, Simon Peter, got a name changed. He went from Reed, something that's weak and wobbly. And God said, I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to call you Peter. And he's good. I'm going to make you something that's weak and frail. And I'm going to make you into a rock. See, there's a name change. Something's happening. And Jacob, his, his name means liar, cheater, supplanter. I mean, the good news for me and you is, do you know how long God was patient with him? 20 years. 20 years building this project that he had called. And here's, this is amazing. Please get this. I was reading this and I nearly wept. And you probably won't because I've been staring at it. Jacob, have I loved? Wow. While we were still sinners. While I was still a building project. While I'd go to my bed sometimes and say, God, one day I'm going to be really obedient and you're really going to love me then. One day I'm going to be obedient. One day I'm going to have the right attitude. One day I'm not going to want to do what I shouldn't do. And then once I get it all together, God. And God says, hey, I loved you. And he's wrestling with God. By the way, that fight was fixed. The grace of God, why would you even bother with him? Speck of dust, cheating, deceiving, lying. And yet, and yet, Jacob, whom he loved, and yet in there, when he wrestled with him, he said, I'm going to change your name now to Israel, a prince with God. I mean, can you imagine the next morning when he's walking? Hair, hair everywhere, all night. Hair, dust, shattered. And a lump, your hair's not combed like that. <laughs> and people saying, what's wrong with you? You're like, I'm blessed. <laughs> you don't look blessed. I know. But you've not seen the outworking of yes, but my name is now Israel. Yeah. You don't know who, who is in me, but I do. And Lord, you know there seems to be a good and bad, there's two of me. One man knows eternity and the other knows the dust. And in the war between the two, my old man fights against my new. My flesh says not to look for you, but my spirit knows I must. That's the war I'm in. I was so like Jesus until I got married. <laughs> Were you? On your own, we single life. You're just like Jesus. Do you know why you're just like Jesus? Because there's nobody to get on your nerves. <laughs> there's nobody to rub you up the wrong way. There's nobody who disagrees with you. In fact, there might be even somebody who doesn't want to do what you want to do today. Lord, you know there seems to be. <laughs> and then you find out you need to compromise, you need to yield, you need to submit because you're doing it out of love. Jacob, have I loved? He who started a good work in you is going to finish it. We're nearly there. Imagine 
King David. The prophet comes to the town to anoint the sons of Jesse. And they all come out and he goes, oh, it must be him. It must be handsome. And you know, it's amazing what we judge. We are so judgmental. I tell you, I hope you don't judge me on my bad day. Because I'm more than that. And so are you. We need grace. And his brother comes out and the prophet got it wrong. And he said, surely this is him. Handsome. I mean, that's Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt rolled into one. He's the man. Look at him. Big shiny eyes, hair, face washed with dust. Looks, looks great. <laughs> no, but you do know those people and you just judge right away. He must be the man. He must be the man. Then the other brother, then the other brother, then the other brother. And the prophet says, God's not spoke to me. It's none of these. You talk about having an identity crisis. That his own father didn't think him worthy enough to stand in the line. But God did. So David went down and, and he anointed him. And he said, yeah, it's him. He, had no, he, he, he said, he's only a shepherd boy, who's he? And, and, and then Saul didn't believe in him. So Saul tried to give him his armor. Saul tried to say, I'll give you my armor and you fight the giant. In other words, why don't you come into the rut all of us are in and be like us? And David said, no, your armor doesn't fit. I don't need your identity. I don't need to put what you put on me. I don't, I don't want to wear what you've put on me. God's already anointed me. He's already told me I'm a king. I might not look like a king. When people see a shepherd boy, God was training a king. And you might look at somebody's life and go, my goodness me, where can he be? And God says, if you hang about another 20 years, you're going to be shocked what that man's going to do. They're going to be shocked the leader that man's going to become. Actually, I think the next prostitutes, drug addicts and drunks who get saved are going to be the next leaders in this generation who are going to stand up and say, look what the Lord has done and look what the Lord can do. And then Goliath, then Goliath sees him and mocks him and went, <laughs> you're only a boy. He's like, you don't get it, do you? The God who's living in me, it's he that is in me that's greater than he that's in the world. That's why I'm coming into my promised land. That's why I'm going to live life abundantly. Every giant will fall before me because you can't come against me because I've got a name above all names. It's the name of Jesus. It's powerful. And then Goliath, I don't know, maybe Goliath took the hat off because he laughed and went, ha, ha, bump. And an eight-foot giant is lying in the dust. And there's a father back home sent him with sandwiches because he didn't even believe in him. And then his brothers are mocking him while he's there. But David knows the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Just read the boy's Psalms. Read the man's Psalms. Read his last words when he's dying. He knew who he was. Because when God anoints you, calls you chosen, calls you loved, calls you wanted, it's time, church, to stand up and say that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, chosen, picked by God. We have the voice that brings hope and strength and love to a nation. Can you say amen? Remember three young men, Daniel, whose so time is going, so I'm going to, I can't explain it all. Daniel, whose name means God is my judge, and they changed his name to Belshazzar. And then they got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men, I won't read all the names of it, and I can't pronounce them. 
I can read them all, but I won't. But Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you see, they changed their name. And the main point of the king changing their name, they were Hebrew boys. They came from Jerusalem. And what he did was, if I change your name and give you a new name, I am going to steal your identity and I'm going to put another identity in you. And they changed their name to the moon god of Babylon. It was all to do with the gods of Babylon. They changed their names. But listen, they changed their names, but they couldn't change their hearts. They couldn't change what those boys knew. Because in the midst, four young boys with name changes that tried to change their identity, but in their heart they knew God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still going to praise him. We know who the true and living God is. We're not bowing the knee to anybody. I've been chosen. I might be in a different land. I might not be able to worship. I might, I might be in a tough place right now. I might be in a difficult place. I might be in a hard place. But there's one thing I know. I serve God. God, Jehovah, Jireh, my provider. He's my father and we're not bowing the knee. And because they never bowed the knee, lions, lions, by the way, I'll tell you something about lions. They'll eat anything. They're no fussy. And they couldn't touch Daniel because Daniel was standing with an identity in God. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in the fire and they never even came out with the smell of smoke on them. I want to tell you, you can walk through this world. You can walk through every fire, every giant. Do you know you can finish with the fragrance of Jesus? You can come out even without the smell of smoke from this world. You can come through pure as gold. Lastly, Romans 8, 16. Romans 8, 16 says this, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Did you hear me? Your encouragement today comes not from me, but from the spirit who testifies with you. You see, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of who you are in Jesus Christ and to witness to you and to testify with you that you are adopted and you are in the family of God. And you need to ask yourself, whose report are you going to believe? You need to ask, whose report am I going to believe and what am I going to believe about myself? Because people will try and label you. People will try and label you. And that's what I've got these wee stickers for, if it works. I'm going to ask Dan to come up here for a minute. We'll finish with this. Now, by the way, this is just an acting role, so don't be. But there are people who grow up, and this is what they say, you're an idiot and you'll always be an idiot. You'll never be a good father or a good mother. You'll never be a good grandparent. You better hope nobody finds out about your broken marriage. You better help nobody finds out about your past. You better hope nobody finds out about your lake at home. If you want to be accepted by people, listen, just be somebody different because they're not going to want to get to know you. And we walk about with us and the promised land is there and you think I'm no worthy. Can I tell you something? You're not. Oh, that's so releasing. Then the Holy Ghost comes. You see, he said, I'm going to send a helper. 
because I know you've not got the own, your own strength could not deliver you and your own strength won't keep you and your own strength won't get you to the other side. Remember when the disciples were going to the other side? But why did they panic? They forgot the words of Jesus when they were on shore with him. And the Holy Ghost comes along and goes. That's what I remind you this morning. You're a child of the Most High God. Let's take that. I just want to remind you. Let me give you a word that will encourage you this week. Chosen. Let me just remind you that you're, um, you've got royal blood in you now. And your name's in a book. As for your past, it's under the blood. I remember your sins no more. Who the sun sets free. Thank you, Daniel. It's free indeed. So whose report are you going to believe? I wanted to get an old, an old cassette or an old v, VHS, but I've, you don't get them anymore. But if I did have one, I'd have got it here with your life on it and my life on it and everything we've done wrong and everything we've done wrong since we've been a Christian and even if we've sinned against the light and I would have broke it and I'd have told the devil, play that because his mercy is new every morning. His love never comes to an end. And if God is for me, who can be against me? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. I want you to stay standing. Listen, listen. This church, this church, this church is on the end of some changes. Things are happening. And we need to ask what is the Spirit saying? No, 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 not just what man is saying. What is the Spirit saying? I want you to ask yourself, we, we used to have little bands, what would Jesus do? I've not got time, but Ephesians, if I was doing a series, my, my next one would be Ephesians. Put off the old man and put on the new man there's a responsibility to put on so that means Paul says I crucify myself daily what on earth does that mean Paul knew that he says the things I want to do I don't and the things I should do I don't this but Paul is saying I'm in a struggle with my flesh and he said walk in the spirit and you won't gratify the flesh we're in a war but what I want you to do this morning I want you to give yourself grace because I'll tell you, I was very hard on myself. I nearly left the Christian church because I didn't think I was good enough. Because I never gave myself enough grace. And some of you just need to give yourself grace this morning. Now that's not an excuse to keep on sinning. No, it's grace to be honest with God and say to God, God. And when he asked Jacob, what's your name? He said, Jacob. He went, now I can do something. You've actually told the truth. Let me ask you, who are you this morning? And you might say, God, I'm a saint but I'm a struggling saint. Lord, I'm a saint, but an old habit has gripped my thoughts. I'm a saint. And I'm coming to you this morning, unfinished. But I know, Lord, for the joy that's set before me through many trials and snares, in this life there'll be many troubles. Do not identify yourself with your past this morning. I want you to put a line in the sand this morning and say, the blood has covered it all. Calvary covers it all. I said, Calvary covers it all. And you know, we sometimes we judge people's sins, different sins, and we, we all, we've all fallen into it. That's that, and that's that, and that's that. But I'll tell you, friend, you know what Daniel's name means? God is my judge. 
And people, might, people in Babylon would have been saying, what a name, God is my judge. What does, what does that matter? Because one day we will all stand before a judge. And it kept Daniel. Daniel said, when I'm not bowing the knee, I don't care my circumstances, the pain I'm in, the struggling, what they call me, changing my name, saying things about me. I know one day I'm going to stand before a, a judge and I'm acting right because I love him. God's my judge. He's a justice God. He's a good God. I don't know what he asked. Do you want prayer? But there might be people here. And the devil's on your shoulder. And I tell you, I've been honest with you. It took me about five years to feel comfortable in my own skin. And I'll be honest with you. Noon again, it's still a fight. And if you're, if you're honest, you feel the same. Insecurity will pop its head. Ever been there? I'll tell you, insecure leaders place havoc with the church. But when you know who you are, friends, if I didn't know who I was this morning, I'd be crumbled. We've all had fiery darts. But I'll tell you, honestly, the devil's no my problem. My biggest fight has been with me because of what I had to walk through, a past. But I thought, if I don't believe God, I won't fulfill my destiny. I know whose report I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe this one. No, I'm not making excuses for any bad behavior this morning. But I'm just saying, give yourself a bit of grace this morning and come and let him pour in the oil and the wine. Come and say, God, this is about you. Has God spoke to you this morning? Has God spoke to you this morning? Who are you? Maybe you need to come just to the Father and the Father just needs to affirm it this morning. Come here. And let the Holy Spirit fill you afresh with that affirmation of who you are in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit. And there's a prayer team here and we'll pray for you corporately. You might not be able to pray for everybody. The balcony and here. If you think I'm going in, Yes, there need to be changes. Yes. And I'm going to need to press through some opposition, but I'm, I, I want everything. He came to give you life abundantly. And uh, by the way, that's not opposition free. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's like Caleb had a different spirit. I'll tell you, I don't want just two people to get into the promised land. I want every person and me in this congregation to come into the abundant life that Christ died to give us. Well, before we pray, let's see if people want prayer. If you want to lift your hand and say, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I, I want prayer this morning. Would you just lift your hand and we'll pray for you? <clears throat> Amen. Is there anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. There's a lot of people put their hand up, but let's... You know what? We have a prayer team here. And if you can... Well, we're going to sing one more song. And, and in this song, some of you need to go and get kids because we don't want to over, overdo church. But in that sense, but if you feel this morning, God, let me just also say this. When you look at somebody, and I finish with a statement from Amy Carmichael, if we can't see the best in people when they're at their worst, we know nothing of the love of Calvary. Don't look at just what you see now. In fact, if you see something and someday it's not right, would it not be better to pray? God, strengthen them, bless them, help them. Are we not meant to do that for each other?
Aren't you glad God doesn't expose our sin, but covers it? <laughs> My goodness. Okay, it might be just me, but that's enough to make you dance. Oh, how he loves us. Come on, I want you just to, you don't need to do this, but if you put your hands in front of you for a minute and say, God, I, I receive your love, I receive your grace. And Lord, you've started a work in me. No, I'm not, maybe I'm not where I should be, but I'm not where I used to be. Friend, this is not about God's love. This is about you being robbed of peace and joy and strength today. If you put your hand up and you want prayer, if you, if you really want somebody to pray for you, you can leave your seat and come right now. I'm going to pray right now. But if you feel you want personal prayer, the prayer team are here and they will pray with you. Lord, we come before you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience, your grace in our lives. I thank you that he who started a good work is going to finish it. I'm confident, Paul says. Confident. Now, we're the, he's a potter, we're the clay. I want to ask you something. Work with the Spirit as you go home today. Ask him, what do I need to put on the potter's wheel? Spirit of God. Oh, children of God, how he loves us. Jesus. Jesus.